Welcome back to Rewrite Motherhood. I'm Cynthia Schmidt, and I'm your host for this episode. On today's podcast, I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Elizabeth Nava. Elizabeth is a graduate of the best university in the country, Notre Dame, also where I went. She has her master's degree in education from Notre Dame as well, and she has a background in in teaching and education. Elizabeth is a stay-at-home mom of two. She's a prolific Instagrammer, a small business owner, and a community servant, especially to Catholic schools and parishes. Also, I cannot forget to mention that Elizabeth is a native of Mobile, Alabama, which is the city that my dad was raised in and the city that I got married in. My grandfather actually taught her brothers physics at McGill Tolan School in Mobile. We're so excited to have Elizabeth on the podcast today to hear really specifically about her choice to be a stay-at-home mom, even though she was blessed with a very fancy and expensive education. And of course, anything else that she's willing to share with us today. Elizabeth, welcome. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. So excited to have you. Um, your story is super interested, interesting to me. Uh, one of the things that we've tried to talk about in Rewrite Motherhood is this, this kind of the wrong notion that there's one right way to be a mother and instead to focus on being an excellent mother and servant And that just looks different for different people. And you are actually the first person on our show who is a, you know, intentional stay at home mom. So welcome. We are so excited to hear from you. And I first just want to ask you, how do you feel about the label stay at home mom? Like, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? I think it's a really funny label that people use to kind of just create this box. Um, But I always laugh when people ask me, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom who doesn't stay home (laughs) because days where you will find me lounging and eating bonbons and just, you know, being home with my kids are really rare. Um, And I think most women who consider themselves stay-at-home moms would agree with that, that it's not a life of just staying at home. It's a, it's a very busy and full life. um, of just doubling down and committing to just devoting your energy to running the home uh, and directing the family life. So sometimes I call it being the, the COO of our house. So I'm the, I'm the chief operating officer. I'm in charge of the day-to-day operations of a family. Yeah, I really like that imagery. I also, for a while, I toyed with this term full-time mom, but then it's like, well, what are working moms? Everybody's a full-time mom. <laughs> right, right. So that doesn't work, but then no. it's like, you know, yeah, it's just, I don't know that there's a good word for it. If, if anybody's listening to this and they have a good word for what a, a mom does who does not have a traditional career. And I guess the reason that there's no good word for it is because as you say, Elizabeth, there's no one box. I right. mean, the reality, it, and I think the reason this is worth discussing is that for a long time in my head, especially when I was younger, I really imagined there are these two routes. There's traditional career And then there's, you know, the nanny and all the stuff that you need to support that versus being a stay-at-home mom. And gosh, especially today, there's so much room for being innovative and piecing things together and, you know, having one foot in, one foot out. I mean, it's just, there's so many different ways. 
Yes, I see that so much among my friends and my peers of, of there are just so many different ways to get creative with this life of um, a friend of mine was the full-time uh, mom in the home, but recently moved to full-time work and now her husband's switching and they're, they're swapping off weekend days because he's working at a distillery. I mean, just like people just get really creative. So many women are doing part-time work or working from home or um, entrepreneurial stuff like I'm doing, like running an Etsy shop. Um, so there's really just so many different ways to be a mom um, in 2021. And I think the pandemic you know, has forced people into hard decisions where it was like, it just doesn't make sense for me to go to work anymore. Or also has opened up a lot of doors of like, hey, I could do this from home and be with my kids more um, that I've always been wanting to do. So I think we have a lot of, there's just a whole spectrum. Um, so it's really unfortunate that we put these boxes and labels on um, full-time moms versus, you know, working moms, because those, those are not opposed to each other. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with you. Um, so with all those caveats in mind, there's still some utility to saying that you, Elizabeth, are a stay-at-home mom because your, you know, primary priorities are your children and your homemaking. So I just want to know what made you decide that this is what you wanted to do? Did you always know it? Was it like a game time decision? What was your path? Yeah. So I was raised in a home where my mom stayed at home. Uh, she had been a flight attendant and uh, lived in Miami and lived a very exotic life. And then she uh, was a teacher and then she got married to my dad and started raising kids and stayed home. So my worldview was certainly shaped by that. Uh, I did a lot of like playing house, playing babies, seeing myself, uh, in, in that role. Um, my mom taught me to sew, my mom taught me to cook. So like a lot of those kind of homemaker things were instilled in me as a young girl. Um, and as I went through high school and college, uh, that never really, that never really left my heart. I always had a sense that that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in the home. I wanted to raise kids. Uh, I wanted to raise a lot of kids and I wanted to, um, just use the gifts and talents that God had given me as a homemaker to create the kind of home environment that I had been raised in. Cause I valued it a lot. Um, but all of the women in my family were in the same kind of situation. My aunt stayed home, my grandmother stayed home. So just kind of like forming my idea of, of who I was as a woman, a lot of my role models, my older cousins, um, were all choosing to stay home, which I think was, was very much the culture of, um, women in the South. I mean, I think that has yeah. a lot to do with it, you know, like Mo Mobile has a, a strong culture of, um, of kind of women who, ladies who lunch, not really, but you know, like women mm -hmm. who, who stay home more less mm -hmm. so now in 2020, 2021, but, um, but when I was growing up, that certainly was. And so when Joe and I got married, um, we had already had those conversations that I, that was really my desire. And it didn't come from him at all. His mom worked, she was still working. She's a phlebotomist at the hospital and had a professional career. Um, but he was very open to what I wanted. And so our first year of marriage, um, I was teaching, he was teaching, really not raking in a lot of big bucks, but we decided mm -hmm. to tr give it a go financially as a trial run. So. Mm -hmm. Um, we made the decision our first year of marriage to just completely set aside my salary and not touch it just to see, can we even make this boat go with two of us on one side on a teacher's salary? Mm -hmm. Like, is that even a thing? Um, wow. and it turned out, you know, it's not a life of luxury. 
but Mm -hmm. we made it work and we were relatively comfortable and pretty happy and said, you know what? I think that this will be okay. So Mm -hmm. baby came, that's what I did. I stepped back from teaching um, because, you know, there are some careers that are, you're able to leave work at work and you can go home at five and you can be done or whatever. Uh, teaching is not one of those. And I knew that to be the kind of teacher that I really wanted to be and the kind of mom that I really wanted to be, I just couldn't see a way forward to make both of those work at the same time um, Mm -hmm. in those early days. And so that was a decision that I made. And here we are eight years later. Yeah. I remember I, you know, I worked with, um, so I worked with Elizabeth's husband for a year when I taught at the school and and helped at the school that he, um, works at and he's Elizabeth's husband is a beloved math teacher and just really well-respected. Everybody loves him, but I truly, and my parents are both teachers. So I thought that I knew, but when I kind of witnessed firsthand what these teachers were doing and then going home to many children, even, even with my background of working 50, 60 hours a week in big law, I was like, this is not, you know, the, wow, this is, this is a lot for mm-hmm. teachers, um, to be doing this, especially because you, you know, you take all the grading home, right. Yes. And, and then like, at least when you're working in a, in a profession, like a certain type of practice of law, or maybe certain types of physicians, typically those jobs come with enough income where you can hire like a lot of domestic help. Um, but it's not the case for, I mean, I think we dramatically underpay teachers and I think that's a real problem. And so, you know, there's just so much. So if any teacher moms are out there, like I have mad props, (laughs) mad props. I have so much respect for you. Um, do you think Elizabeth though, it sounds like you probably would have wanted to stay at home regardless of what profession you chose. Is that fair? Yes, I think so. Teaching was just a good natural fit for me. Um, you know, I had other options on the table, but that's really where my heart was. But I think regardless, I would have, have felt that call to be home. Yeah. So let's talk about that call to be home. Um, so I just wanted to say kind of before we dig into this, that, you know, I, my history, I've kind of in my six years of being a mom, I've done a lot of different things. I've I've done the full-time work thing. I've done the full-time stay-at-home thing. Basically now I kind of have a part-time situation, although I'm on a break because I just had a fourth baby. So, um, but the point is, is that I'm, I was very sensitive when I worked full-time when I heard stay-at-home moms talk about what they did, because it just made me sad where I was like, well, number one, I, I wish I could do that. Number two must be nice. Number three, um, you know, I, I was like, oh, well, well I do that too, even though I'm not there all during the day. So if anybody's listening to this, who is a working mom, we're going to just like have a super awesome conversation about it. Don't be afraid. <laughs> um, and I'll just bring the perspective of somebody who worked a lot. If, if, you know, if we get into a, a problem area, but I, I don't want to undercut or underrate how magical it can be. If you do have the privilege to stay at home with your kids So Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about like some of the fruits of, of being with your kids throughout the day. And like, what does it look like? And what are some, some things that you you're really enjoying? Um, absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about that. And I think you're right. I, 
we all know that the grass is always greener on the other side. And so uh, I would yeah. love to have like a hot cup of coffee from start to finish at my desk and adult conversations someday. So uh, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm totally on board with you here of like, let's just be honest about what are the, the challenges? What are the fruits? Each yes. choice, each path has its own benefits and has its own struggles. So all that to preface the fruits of um, being with my kids most of the time. Um, I think the, the first one I would say is just like, uh, getting to observe my children. I think we, so I spend a lot of time mm -hmm. with my children. Um, and I think in that I've, be, I've been able to just watch them. I've been able to observe the way that they talk, the things that they're interested in, their good habits, their bad habits. Um, so I just get a lot of face time with them that allows me to really become the expert on them. Um, and to, support them in their growth in very, um, in ways that, you know, if I were their teacher, I would probably be like, mm, I noticed this, but it's not my place to say, if I were their babysitter, mm -hmm. I would say, I noticed this, but it's not my place to say, if I were their therapist or their pediatrician, I might not have the time to notice it, but I would want to say it. But as their mom, I get all of that. I get the time. And I'm like, this is my place to say my kid's a little bit weird in this one capacity. Yeah. Like we got to work on this or like, man, my kids are real pain in the, you know what, when it comes to you know, this, this or that, but like, let's work on it. So kind of just that, um, full access to the whole of their life. Um, yeah. Can I, and I, can I say something that there, it, yeah. One of the things I actually just wrote an Instagram post about this, but one of the reasons that I ended up going home was for that reason. Mm -hmm. I felt like one of my children had some behavioral issues. I thought that maybe she was spoiled and, or I thought that she was like lazy or weak and there were all these things going on and I couldn't quite put my finger on what happened. And it was really by just being with her all day, every day and observing all these patterns that I thought, I think that something possibly neurological is going on. Mm -hmm. And that's when I ended up, you know, we went, we got a new pediatrician. We took her to occupational therapy after a year of occupational therapy. It's like a complete healing and also whatever like kind of lingering tendencies, um, she has, I'm able to adjust, but it's just kind of a testament to what you're saying about how, um, you know, and kids like kids need more careful observation at different times, but that there really is, you can notice things sometimes when you spend those long blocks of time. Absolutely. Um, and I have a very similar situation with you of like a kiddo that I'm like, it's really hard for other people to notice it. They might say like, yeah, I don't know, that's kind of weird. Um, but as the mom, I can say like, I see these patterns and, uh, I've watched it in many different scenarios. And I can say that this is something that rides throughout this whole, this child's, you know, their every situation that they're in, I can, I see the consistency from beginning mm -hmm. of the day to the end of the day, I see this child, um, and I'm able to, to see where they are really strong and build up those traits and see where they have weaknesses in their virtue and, and say, okay, we got to work on X, Y, or Z. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there are certain seasons, a lot of, a lot of my parenting has been informed by Maria Montessori's work. And I know that you're familiar a little bit with Maria Montessori, um, cause your mm -hmm. kids go to Montessori school too. Um, but one thing I'm, yeah, that's something that I'm really just highly aware of is, um, that Maria Montessori was a big proponent of observing children. 
just like, don't, don't interfere, just watch them and learn by watching them. But also she talked about these planes of development and like some different chunks of time in a child's life where they are in these really, uh, really intense periods of growth. And she says that birth to six is one of the, the most intense periods of growth. Um, and she calls it the absorbent mind and that it's just somewhat tumultuous Mm -hmm. and intense. And so for me, a lot of my decision of staying home has to do with being present for my children in that particular time frame because we are a family that chooses brick and mortar Catholic schools for our kids. And so I've always known I'm not going to be a stay at home mom who homeschools. That's not my jam. If that's you, obviously more power to you. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Um, but that's not me. And so I knew that this was in some senses like a kind of had an, an ending point, right? Like I want to be the one who watches them through that um, absorbent mind period. I want to be the one that they're learning language from. I want to be the one that they're learning virtue from. Um, mm-hmm. and so that has been a great, um, foundation layer because another thing that I see in kids is like, if I work really hard on the front end, I'm going to mitigate the problems on the back end. So, um, another way to say it is like, if you're familiar with the broken window policing theory, I don't know if you're familiar. With yes. That. Does that ring yes. a bell? Right. So like, no, but to explain what it is. Yeah. So the approach is, and this was, this was used in New York city. Um, I think in the eighties, like if there's a lot of crime, we, we can fight back against crime by as soon as there's a broken window, fix it. As soon as there's graffiti, clean it, mm. let's, let's double down on the little things, and then it pays out massive dividends in the big things. I think that by the end of that, uh, that police chief's term, I was just reading this morning, like uh, who, who instituted that and implemented that, um, like murders were down 40% in New York City because he had implemented this, this broken window policing where like they were ticketing people for things like jumping the subway fine rather than like dealing with the, the guns and the gangs. And they found that it really had an impact. And I see it similar in parenting. It's like, if I work hard at the beginning of my children's life to instill in them senses of virtue, family culture, the kinds of things that the way that our family operates. Um, then when it comes to the, the big kids and the big problems, I've already done a lot of the work. Um, Mm -hmm. and so this birth to six time period for me is all about creating a, a, a system of discipline, a system of uh, mutual respect and listening to my children where they feel heard, where they feel respected, where they feel safe to grow and to experiment and to um, question and all of those things. And so that then I can launch them into the world and feel confident that they're going to take, they're going to take that foundation with them um, and grow in the world. Mm-hmm. And as you're talking, you know, I can see the benefits of doing this, making this your full, your your full attention on this, of course, with, I mean, your full attention and all the other things that you do, but I can see where you're not in a traditional career and doing this, but I'm also seeing how it's certainly possible for women who are working to do these things. Mm -hmm. It may just require, you know, it may just require more hacks. Like one, one thing that I just am thinking of is that you know, back when, um, I was working full-time those evenings when I got home and weekends were so precious because that was my 48 hour block where it was just with the kids. And so when we had week, when I was working full-time and we had weekends that we were going, 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 um, I was less able to just observe my children. And I, 
And, you know, I would say probably one of the reasons I eventually left the firm was that I knew that Grant and I wanted to have a life where we were really social and we were doing things on weeknights and we were doing things on weekends and there just wasn't enough time in our life um, to be like the people in the community we wanted to be and also to be there for our kids. Um, but I know people, you know, who have a different situation and they are able to find that like really peaceful, like time after, after work. Yeah. I, I do think one of the big fruits you're kind of talking about, like, what are the, what are the reasons you would consider, um, staying at home? I think that that slower pace of life just comes naturally with, uh, having a parent. And, and I also want to, I didn't go back and preface this with like, I, I think that it can work just as well with, with a dad who stays home. I'm big mm-hmm. fan of like dads taking, taking the lead for some time or all the time or whatever, like, but yeah. having a parent in the home, um, can benefit you in the sense that like you, you just kind of naturally fall into a slower pace of life that you're not forced to, okay, we got to get everybody up and dressed and packed for daycare and out the door and deal with traffic. Like there are mm-hmm. some of those pieces of just sometimes it's hard cause it's boring. Um, but you yeah. just, you're just home. And so that gives you space and time to allow your children to move in their natural speed, which if anyone has ever tried to get a toddler out the door for mass or church or whatever, you know, that it's very slow. Like they just move slowly. And so, um, yeah, I think you're right in that some, one of the hacks that you might find if you're trying to seek this out and, and you're working outside the home is just, um, committing to carving out possibly weekends, or maybe you, you have a day off in the middle of the week where you can just commit to a slow day, a slow pace of life that maybe we have to say no to a social engagement, but we're going to have our Saturday morning coffee time, you know, just chilling family life at a slow speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and if we think about what's happening in the mind of a child, I mean, we can understand why it's overwhelming for them to go, go, go. And we can also understand where their behavior might be bad if they're going, 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 right? Like the, the way that I like to describe what's happening in the mind of a toddler is like, imagine everything that you're doing right now, but you're on drugs. Like <laughs> it's like a psychedelic, it, it, cause it is right for some in, in babies, like the way that they're perceiving the universe is so new. Mm-hmm. It's like a psychedelic trip. And so we wonder why they're mad when they're moving around the drops of water on the ground. And it's because it's, it's, very interesting to them and they don't care that we're late for a birthday party or you know the grandparents house or whatever it is we're going to they need to like hone in and focus on these very simple tasks that are boring to adults yes absolutely and listen i'm not saying like like we have to just like wander aimlessly everywhere and take in all of the caterpillars that we find like that's not my life at all right like i said i'm a stay at home at home. Like I'm always on the go, but I counteract that with carving out times of the day when I know my kids are in a good mood or good, it's a good time for them in the day where they can have that time to just explore. My little guy during the pandemic has uh, used our front formal dining room. I call it the room of requirement. Like if anybody knows Harry Potter, like (laughs) It's like, it's just, you need it to be yoga studio, roll out the yoga mats. Like it's piano lesson Mm -hmm. time. We'll get the piano. Mostly it's just crafts and Mm -hmm. he really loves hammering 
and using a screwdriver. And I recently bought him a, a hand drill. So he just like gets a drill bit and drills into wood. So he just loves to just be in there and explore and just do his thing. And so that gives me time to do adult things like, like do a podcast um, because I'm letting mm-hmm. him have that slow time to operate at his brain speed, um, mm-hmm. which, and not, and not be frustrated that I have things to do. So I, I kind of strategically schedule my day around key times when I know, okay, I need to be hands-on for the evening, you know, as they, they, they're mm-hmm. tired, came home from school, need help with homework. Um, but in the morning he's pretty, you know, self-sufficient and wants to putter around and be self-directed. So that's when I schedule things like, um, you know, having zoom calls or working on school board things or working on my sewing. So just mm-hmm. kind of knowing my kids daily rhythm also helps with being able to, to piece all these things together in a logical way. It's not just sitting here, staring at each other and dreaming about rainbows and butterflies all day. Like that's not stay at home mom life. <laughs> right. Right. No, no, no. And if you, and if you think that that stay at home mom life, it's going to be miserable. I, <laughs> yes. think I, I think I thought that for a while. And then, I mean, that was a whole separate topic we can talk about is like how to make being stay at home mom miserable. And <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of ways that we can do A lot of ways. That. Yeah. Um, sure. But, but let's do the converse. Like, what is it? And, and just hearing you describe some of what you do with your kids, I'm getting the sense that this is like a real joy for you. And it's really, it gives me a lot of joy to watch my kids do things like this and to create an environment where they're happy. So can you speak to that? Like some of the joy that you've experienced and was it unexpected or is this what you thought it would be like? Yeah, there is a lot of joy. Um, and often we talk about joy as converse, that joy is not necessarily happiness, right? So like, Mm. I want to remind everybody that like, when I say joy, I don't always mean like I'm grinning and I'm like, la la la, this is the best day. Yeah. But joy is like a deep satisfaction, right? At the end Mm. of the day that I look back and I go, oh, really, I feel satisfied about how we spent our time today. And, and I, I really found a lot of life. It was very life-giving to go to the library and share one of my favorite books with my kid and like find that book on the shelf that we've been looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always feel happy. <laughs> Some days it feels hard, but there is a deep joy in it um, of just watching my children grow. And so my older one is seven going on eight. He's going to be in second grade. And my younger one is entering kindergarten this year. He's five. So, you know, the further out I get from like baby, baby time, the more perspective I get on these are, these are really interesting and lovely humans that I, I really honestly appreciate. They have a good sense of humor. They are kind mostly. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just nice people to be around. And I think that while the the day-to-day payoff you don't always feel that in the day-to-day payoff when you start to take a longer view and you start to get more distance between you and like the really hard little bitty days, you feel just really just a deep sense of, of joy and accomplishment and gratitude for these people that have been brought into your life. Because these are people that I will enjoy Mm -hmm. very much when they are adults. I already Mm -hmm. enjoy them now, but I know I'm going to really appreciate them when they are adults because I see the trajectory that they're on to become wonderful people. Mm-hmm. And you do have great kids. Your kids are awesome. Thanks. Um, and all kids are great kids, but yeah, you do have some <laughs> two special little guys. Um, for everybody, we're arranging. I'm trying to arrange marriages of some of my daughters <laughs> to Elizabeth's boys. <laughs> um, yeah, that the that point about joy 
it's, I think so important, especially in this stage of motherhood, because it is hard to be, first of all, I don't even know what happiness means. (laughs) I think it's very weird that it's used in all this psychological literature. I think the latest thing I read was that like, the more you seek happiness, the less happy you are. (laughs) I don't know what it, it seems like a very vapid emotion. Like I'm happy when I like get a nice coffee drink or something. Joy is like you said, Elizabeth, it's so much deeper and a really interesting revelation that I had. Um, I have not always been a joyful stay at home mom. I've had a lot of like, woe is me. Mm-hmm. I'm a martyr moments in oh, yeah. my time. <laughs> and, but I, what I realized recently is that, so I've been journaling, um, which I've talked a lot about. And at the end of the, some of my hardest days when I journal at the end of them and I look back, I'm like, this was actually the day that I got the most meaning mm-hmm. out of this whole. And it's, it's very bizarre. And then another thing that I started doing was I started journaling on the days that I had help and the days I didn't have help. And bizarre, the days that I had help unsurprisingly were the days that I was looking forward to. Like <laughs> I, know when our nanny is coming, you know, she comes on a certain day of the week. She used to come twice a week, but I was realizing that at the end of those days, I was feeling, even though I had been productive and I had done these things, I was feeling more sad than the days that I was with the kids all day. Even, even though, I mean, I was running around doing errands. I was shopping. I was talking to friends. I was getting work done. I was doing all these things, but I was feeling a sense of disconnect And so that caused me to drop one of the days that we do have help. Um, So it is interesting, like how, what a deep sense of joy it can give you to be with your children. It's true. And, and um, yeah, I want to kind of, kind of go into that a little bit of like, you recognized a need for help with your kids. And I think anybody who is in this feels days when they're drowning and they're like, I need help. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, my husband is a teacher. Uh, we didn't have a lot of expendable cash, but I had to get really creative in figuring out how to find my life rafts, because if if you don't take care of yourself, you're never going to be good to take care of anybody else. So like Mm -hmm. the joke is like, you know, put your oxygen mask on first before you help the kid next to you. My right. husband takes that to mean serve your plate first and everybody else can fend for themselves. Like in the <laughs> time. He was always serving himself and he looks at me and goes, what? I'm putting on my oxygen mask. I'm like, you go for it, man. Go for it. Um, but, you know, I, so things like, you know, for us, for us to make this work financially, there's not like just bukus of cash lying around for me to do things that a lot of people are able to do. So like, I was not able to um, put my kids into very much preschool but I was able to find places that had like a two day option, two days a week or three days a week or four days a week. And I, I would always go for the two days a week. I was like, well, it's not ideal, but like I can swing two days. And if I can Mm -hmm. get two mornings for three hours a day, um, even though my kid would benefit from going the five days a week, um, I can do, I can do two days and, and I can get creative about, okay, in those two days, you know, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z for myself. So like the instinct is like, oh, I have help with my kids. I'm going to go like scrub the toilet, but guess what? Like I need, (laughs) I need to like go take a nap or take a walk or sit by the lake or drink a coffee. Like I need to be commit to those self-care things. 
Um, but other mm -hmm. ways that I got creative was um, like, we really don't have a margin in our budget to hire a housekeeper um, or somebody to come clean our house. And, but I could think, and I was, I just could not get the whole house clean at a time, mm -hmm. nor could I um, spend the whole day cleaning and also produce dinner. So mm -hmm. I figured out creative ways of like, okay, well, I can't pay, you know, a hundred or 150 bucks for somebody to clean my house all day, but I can clean my house all day and I can get dinner for my family for 25 bucks at Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. So I can swap that of like, okay, well, I'm not going to hire the housekeeper, but I am going to pay for Chick-fil-A. And then that will, I can, you know, I can manage it. Or another way I did it is, okay, I can ask this lady to come clean just the bathrooms and the floors in my house. And I know she'll, she can do that for 60 and I can swing 60. I can't do 150, but if I work alongside her, she does the bathrooms and the floors. I do the kitchen. And then at the end of the day, my house is mostly clean for like half the price of what I put paid for like full-time help. So mm -hmm. you're just getting creative about like, well, when I look at the numbers, I'm not sure we can make it work. Well, it's like, I can to me, when I laid out what was important for me and my husband, when we laid out, you know, what, what we really wanted, we figured places where we could sacrifice. And for some people, you know, staying at home is just not a possibility. And I totally understand that. And I honor that. So I want to make sure that that is very clear. Um, but also like some people just feel like they are not a good person when they stay home. And that mm -hmm. is a voice you should listen to. If you're like, I'm just mm -hmm. not a nice mom. Like I don't, I don't feel like I'm, you know, really myself, or this is just really depressing to me or really draining. Like that's a voice you should listen to too, of, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just like, oh, well sacrifice all of your dreams for your kids. There is a piece of self-sacrifice in it. It was sure right. nice to come home to a clean house that a you know, <laughs> housekeeper would have cleaned for me and all that stuff. But, um, you can get creative about the ways to cut corners and still make it happen. Right. Right. Yeah. In thinking about that, you know, about whether or not to stay at home. I mean, I, as much as I'm enjoying staying at home right now, I'm so glad that I didn't stay at home from the beginning only because I wasn't ready to, mm. if I would have felt forced to give up my legal career at the beginning, or if I would have made a decision out of fear that I wouldn't be a good mom or that I, I, you know, if I would have just never done it, I don't think I would be the person that I am today in mm. both virtue and security as a, as a parent. So on these people who say that they would be a terrible stay-at-home mom, I just want to like dig into that a little bit. Um, I hear that a lot from my friends who work and I absolutely validate and affirm that there are some people that it's not right for, and I would never want this podcast to be used as like a subtle ploy. But when yeah. I hear that, I'm a little bit, it makes me a little sad. And I have questions because I, you know, I also didn't think that I could do it. And I went home because I felt like my kids really needed me and I wasn't fully sure why. But what I realized, Elizabeth, is that I was, there was a lot about being at home with my kids all day that I misunderstood and I misunderstood mm -hmm. my role. Yeah. And a lot of parenting today, a lot of the parenting that parents think they need to do is like miserable. Yes. Like if that's what parenting is, nobody would want to do that. Yes. Like, I totally agree. You know? And I remember I did, it was like, I remember when I left the firm, I was like, okay, 
on Tuesday, I need to go to this sing song class at the bookstore. And on Wednesday, I'm going to take them to a pro museum. And on Thursday, I'm going to go to the zoo. And it was all like kid oriented stuff. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. Poke me in the eye. Listen, there are <laughs> awesome moms who do the cruise director thing. And that is their jam. They yeah. love it. That is not who I am. Um, I have spent my whole life as like a high achieving, crossing things off my to-do list, like moving the ball forward. Like that is how I'm hardwired. Um, and shifting into being a stay-at-home mom was an abrupt if you've ever driven a standard transmission, which side note, little tidbit about me, I drove a, a 93 Ford Ranger to high school, McGill Tool and Catholic High School, and as a standard transmission. So um, anytime you're going like really fast, like fifth gear, fourth gear, and then you have to slow down and you just jam it into first gear, your engine just goes and you just don't know what to do. Like you're, you just, you're just like bucking, like your whole car or truck in my situation is just like shaking. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what it was like for me to transition from being a high powered, um, person who just go, go, go all the time, like do the next thing, hit the next goal to go to being a person who literally my job was to wipe bottoms, mm -hmm. to get all the dishes out of the cabinet, make them dirty, make them clean, put them back in the cabinet. So like if I had a <laughs> successful day, the bottoms, had been cleaned, the clothes had been washed and put back in, everything was maintaining a status quo. And I always say that being a stay-at-home mom or just being a mom in general is just fighting entropy. Like that is your job <laughs> is to constantly fight entropy because as soon as you look away, it's a disaster. <laughs> what happened in here? Like it is an absolute disaster. So that was just not fulfilling to me. I was just really trying to find my place in that. And what satisfied that itch for me was a friend of mine, uh, showed me something that she'd seen on the internet. It was like a nursing cover. I don't know. It was simple to sew. And she was like, you could make that. And I was like, you know what? I could make that. And so I sewed one for myself. I was like, that's really cute. And so I got into sewing. Um, and I realized mm -hmm. that in sewing and in crafting and in making something that was going to last more than 20 minutes and nobody was going to poop on or eat, I found a lot of joy. Um, and that was Jennifer Fullweiler calls it like your blue flame, right? Like mm -hmm. I yes. found something that was sparking a lot of joy in me to be creative and to have an outlet and to have a little project. Um, and so that allayed a lot of the issues that I had in motherhood. But I, the other thing to your point about like cruise directing is that I had witnessed someone who was um, ahead of me in the mothering game whose kids were formed in Montessori. And I had gone to dinner at their house and I remember just watching them set the table, um, bring the drinks to the table, like just do stuff, clear the plates. She just mm -hmm. like sent them upstairs and said like, go put your pajamas on. They all came back downstairs, like teeth, brush, pajamas on. And I was like, how do you, what is this magic that you, how are your <laughs> children just like, like independent people? And she said, oh, it's Montessori. So that was before I was even married. Um, so when I started parenting, I got a couple books on, well, what is the Montessori method? And I really fell in love less with, cause I'm, I'm trained as like a traditional Catholic school teacher. And so we don't really do a lot of Montessori education in the classroom, but I really doubled down on the practical life in the home. And mm -hmm. it just made so much sense that the whole point of the Montessori practical life is to help children so teach me to do it myself, to get them to independence, to give them tools that are the right size that are the right, um, I don't know, they fit their hands 
to do things mm-hmm. themselves. And so from an early stage, I was teaching my kids to use like ceramic dishes and glasses at the table. Um, but like we didn't have a billion sippy cups. And so I was spent a lot less time like washing sippy cups than just, I would just load glasses in the dishwasher and put them in, um, mm-hmm. dress themselves, like just working towards independence from an early stage. And I have one kid who was, let's just say real needy. Um, <laughs> and frequently grumpy and needed to be right by me. But I found that when I would give, put him in the kitchen, I have video of him, 18 months old, tearing apart lettuce for our salad. And he was so happy. Mm-hmm. He went from being the mama ho, mama ho, like, hold me, hold me. I need you to hold me to tearing apart lettuce and going, Oh, too big. Oh, it's splashed. <laughs> oh, too big. Like tearing lettuce. Like he was just so happy. And I realized that these, that this method of bringing your children along beside you and giving them real and important jobs that fit their abilities made them happy and made me happy. And as a person who's like checking boxes, like, okay, we got to make dinner. We got to fold the clothes. Like I got to move on to the next thing. That is very different than the motherhood approach of like, I have to play imagination with you. And I really, really hate unicorns. And I don't know what to make these unicorns say in this conversation that we're having. (laughs) Like, that's not my thing. I can't play. I don't play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, playing is really hard. So at this point I have to plug this book that I don't think you've read this yet, Elizabeth, we talked about it. Hunt, gather, parent. Yeah. Um, by Mick, yeah. By Mick, Micheline Duclef, I think is her name. Um, it is very consistent with a Montessori approach to raising your kids. And it's a, an approach specifically oriented towards getting your kids involved and to help around the house. And you know, in saying that it's not just that you can have helpers do chores. It's so that you can, that you're doing things together, building a culture, a family culture that like supports the like self-sufficient home. So like Mm -hmm. one of the things that made my life really hard initially as a stay-at-home mom was that it really was like, I thought I had the kids stuff and then I had the stuff that I had to do in the home. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I got to clean up the house while, while they go down for a nap. Right. Um, and I still, of course, do some of that, but now I'm like, no, we are, we are making breakfast. We are cleaning up breakfast. Mm-hmm. We are, you know, we have to have the playroom clean before we can go outside and play and get in the pool because that's what we do as a family. And so we're in, in integrating them into the life of having a home together and like the culture of the family, you find more meaning and it like, it takes so much of this burden off of your, you as a mom. Yes. I think a lot of times people look at the day, uh, like they just are so daunted by like a whole day at home with their kids, like this endless stretch of time. And I think one thing that helps with that, um, is just like seeing it in chunks of time and also you can very quickly fill up time if you're requiring the children to like clean up and mm-hmm. prepare, right? So like, oh, you're going to set the table for lunch. Well, we better start lunch 30 minutes before lunch starts because it's going to take you a long time mm-hmm. to set the table. And so like just trying to fill up a day, you know, as a young mom, I just would be like, oh, how am I going to fill this day? How am I going to yeah. like entertain my kids for this whole day? But when you chunk it into things like, well, you know, the cleaning up is going to take 20 minutes. So we better start now. Um, it just starts to fill up 
and giving them logical, helpful tasks, you don't get to the end of the day and look around and have a disaster of a house because you have integrated that in from the beginning that kids are expected to clean and, and pick mm-hmm. up and be responsible for the care of the home. Um, because nobody wants to have to clean at the end of the day of parenting. Right. And it, and, you know, it builds virtue and it sounds like it's really weird because I think my previous self would be like, wait, I'm sorry, I'm giving up this legal career and like this, all this money so I can go home and like make, so we can all make lunch together and clean up lunch. And it sounds, it sounds so it, I don't know, very little, but it is so big because these are the things that these things, the making lunch together and cleaning up lunch or whether it's, or a dinner, making dinner like that builds a sense of belonging and virtue. And this type of hands-on activity is exactly what kids need from like a brain development standpoint and also a practical life standpoint. And it, it builds, it's really beautiful how you can see like I'm thinking of my two-year-old right now. So my two-year-old, she just turned two and she's not, she's not capable of a lot of help at dinner time, right? Like I can get my oldest to boil water and to put the pasta in and to do all these things. Um, but the two-year-old, I can't have her, well, at least I'm not comfortable yet having her do all that stuff. Yeah. But, um, I do give her like a thing, a zucchini and a knife and, and let her, and she sits there and she is Oh, it's beautiful. She's Mm -hmm. so proud of herself. Yes. (laughs) Um, And so it really is. It's crazy that, that to, to spend all this energy doing these little things with our kids, but it really is. The little things really are everything. Well, and I think the payoff that, that I'm starting to see in my children and what I've read from moms who are further down the road than I am and, and watched in them is that the payoff then is, is that you have freed yourself up. You have created these independent young people who don't require a lot of hands-on parenting once they get past a certain point so that then you've opened all these doors of like, we can travel as a family. We can go to these things that with, you know, in early days would have seemed impossible, but now it's like, people I know who are taking their kids abroad, like they're young kids because their kids are what they call squared away. Like their kids can handle themselves. Um, And I see Mm -hmm. that too in my, you know, so I had several people say to me before I left teaching, like, I see you as a principal. I see you in school leadership. And um, at the time I was like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. I'm probably never going to be a principal. I'm going to go stay home with my kids. But like now my kids are, are going to school and, uh, I have had time to get to know school leadership through my service as a volunteer working on two different school boards. And uh, now I'm to the point where I know I have established my children with such a foundation to be independent that if I did decide to go back to work and get into school leadership or go get a master's in school administration or whatever, like I would feel very confident leaving them for however long, you know, not by themselves, but like just to just mm-hmm. step away yeah. <laughs> in my role as a mom that I have, I have been in this role for a time for now. And I work on that a lot with my therapist talking about like, this is a good friendship for now, or like, this is the decision for now. And that you can always pivot. This is not a decision mm-hmm. for forever. And if you get into stay at home mom or whatever, and you're like, or working mom, and you're like, this isn't working. It's just for, for now. It's not for forever. But for me, the, the at home part, for now will pay dividends and open doors for me and my children 
um, that will allow us to live a full life. I think a lot of people think, oh, well, you're limiting yourself to be a stay-at-home mom. But in the time that I've been at home, I have learned how to run a small business. I've learned how to market stuff. I've learned how to work in nonprofit development. I've learned how to advise principals. Like I am way more of an interesting person now after being in the, in the home for eight years because I had the freedom to explore these different avenues of myself that being in a career was somewhat narrowing. It, I didn't mm-hmm. have that freedom to read about different topics or to, I just came from lunch with a, with a person I was picking their brain about nonprofit development. Like I couldn't go to lunch as a teacher. Like, um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people think that it's a narrowing of their life, but it's really a deepening and a broadening and a freedom to more become, become more of yourself and even to contemplate, well, where do I want to go in other seasons in the future and kind of get a taste for other things that might be possible. So Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna leave that little nugget for anybody who's afraid that to step into the home would be to be would be narrowing. And I, I would say to you, it's it's hard because it's deep, not because it's mm-hmm. shallow, but it's hard because it's deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really beautiful. That's been my experience too. Um, I mean, I do other things that are higher than this. I don't know why I'm mentioning this, but I read Twitter so much now. <laughs> And I'm always like, I feel like I'm up on so many intellectual trends that I would not have had time for. And that's not because I'm bored. I mean, I'm chasing after a bunch of kids. So I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to say stay at home moms don't do anything, but I do just have a lot of brain space. So Mm -hmm. um, it is, gosh, it is such a privilege to be able to stay at home. Um, Any consolation or like, we talked a little bit about this, but any thoughts for somebody who wants to stay at home with their kids for a season, but they are scared of the money thing. Like maybe somebody who they can do it, but it's going to be tight. I mean, thoughts, resources, ideas of ways to frame that. Yeah. So I talked a little bit about kind of like ways that we figured out it's not all or nothing as far as like getting help or, um, you know, I picked up work. There have been seasons where I was tutoring. Um, so there Mm -hmm. are certainly seasons where I was bringing in a little income to cover gaps, uh, working as a, a catechist in a paid position. Um, so you can certainly piece things together and still be with your children, like for most of the time or much of the time. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, look at your, at your finances. Um, my husband and I are very, uh, he, we call him the CFO of the family and I'm the COO. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of have these marriage summits where in fact, fiscal year starts tomorrow, big day in the Nava house. We're having the financial summit. Um, so we go to the, we go to Dating. the budget and <laughs> we look at money in money out. And we say, what are the gaps and how are we going to fill them? And can we make this work for right now? It's always, we always revisit it. You know, it's like, does this work and where are the gaps and what do we need to do to fill them? And so, um, we get creative, you know, I, I do have a sewing business. I don't recommend launching a sewing business to fill a large gap. Um, it, it took, it's mm-hmm. taken me like six years to get to the point where I could be like, this is, this train's moving. It's making some, mm-hmm. making some hay. Uh, but mm-hmm. that doesn't, doesn't start out that way. Um, but there, you know, there are plenty of opportunities now to work from home or work at night. You can do things freelance. There's a lot of ways if you need to fill the gap, you can, but also I think that to make the sacrifices for now of some luxury things that you feel like you could probably do without the dividends that being home with your child will pay off for this season. I don't think you'll look back and regret it. 
Um, if it's maybe taking a smaller vacation or um, waiting another year to buy a new car if you can, or, or you know, just, just places where you feel like in your budget you could possibly sacrifice. I think the dividends that the life of the home provide for a family culture, for a marriage, for children, um, there's really something there that that so many people find to to bring a lot of joy and a lot of grace. So say don't mm -hmm. be scared and also just find a village. Find other moms. You can reach out to me. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure some people put my my contact information in the show notes. Yeah. Find other moms and I that's been huge for me to find other people who are who are like-minded, who are in the throes of it, who are trying to get creative, um, to kind of cling to each other and be like, okay, what are we gonna do about this? Um, that helps because it's, it, it can feel isolating. You know, you get to go to an office where you chat with people. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that would be nice. Like talking to mm -hmm. adults. Um, but I think Cynthia, you, you've mentioned this too, of like, just finding people that you can chat with throughout the day on Voxer or on voice text, or, I mean, Instagram is where I do a lot of my adult interaction, mm -hmm. um, of, of like sharing thoughts and responding to people and, and getting to know people there. So find a community to help you. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, don't be afraid. It's, it, it can be daunting, but there are lots of resources to help. Um, books that I recommend, uh, one I read really recently that is fantastic is the lazy genius way. Mm -hmm. Um, this woman, it talks about being, uh, a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. And I think that that has been really good for me as a person who liked to be a genius about everything and, and just realized yeah. I couldn't, couldn't keep all the balls in the air. And like, it's okay to let some of them drop. Um, you can be lazy about some things that to you just don't matter and that's okay. And so she gives some really helpful, practical, like guiding principles for running a household, running a business, um, parenting. She has a great podcast, but her book is The Lazy Genius Way. Mm -hmm. um, and then for people who are just starting out in parenting, her looking for like a little guidance on the Montessori method, if that's interesting, there's a great book called How to Raise an Amazing Child, The Montessori Way. It's got beautiful pictures. Uh, and I remember reading that early on in parenting and getting some great ideas from that. And then one other that I love, um, there's a woman named Kendra Tierney who writes a blog called Catholic All Year. And you don't have to be Catholic to read her blog. She does talk a lot about Catholic stuff in there, but I think she's a genius when it comes to creating a parenting system. It just really resonates with me. It is not a parenting system for everyone. Lots of people have different ideas about parenting, but it's one that I read and I was like, wow, that makes a ton of sense. I'm going to roll with it. And so she has one post called How to Be the Boss of a One-Year-Old, because I firmly believe... <laughs> If you can be the boss of a one-year-old, you can be the boss of anybody. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, so it's really just about like choices and consequences and giving your children firm boundaries and how to, how to navigate that. But she also has some really great family rules that are really helpful. One of which is uh, don't take your pants off without a plan, which I feel like <laughs> is just universally a good rule. That's great. Um, I love that. But I guess her kids kept like coming in the living room when company was over and being like, mom, I don't have any pajamas. And she's like, you're not wearing any pants. Um, <laughs> so funny. And then the How other, many? she, I think she has like, like 13. Kids. I've lost yes. track. She has she, many yeah. children. She keeps having them. Yeah. Many naked bottoms. Um, but the <laughs> other rule that I did that she, she has all these printables for all of her rules, but one that I reread this week and I was like, yes, that has made a huge difference in my life is one of her rules just says, okay, mama. Um, and that means don't talk back. If I give you a direction, you don't tell me why you can't do it or why you don't want to do it. But the response is okay, mama. And that's, that's certainly how I parent too, is like, there are, there's time to like give logic, but there's also time to just be like, just, 
okay, mama, you say it, right. say it back to me. I'm like, let's, let's roll with this. So, um, she's, if you're interested in that, she's not a gentle parenting person. If gentle parenting is your jam, she may not mm-hmm. be your jam. Uh, but her methods of parenting for the most part have, have instructed a lot of what I do in my house to get my kids squared away where I'm like, yeah, we can go. I took my kid with me to like a really important meeting in public with some very important adults. And he just sat there and he was totally fine. I'm like, I can That's do that amazing. because I have laid the groundwork with him and I was the boss of him when he was one. Right. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to go read that blog post and I'm going to add those books that you recommended. Um, and I'll put them on Instagram too. And everyone should follow Elizabeth on Instagram. It's at Betty Joe sews and Joe jo is just with one O. Um, she's awesome. And is there, do you, are you on any other platforms? I mean, you could, I don't really don't pu- publish anything elsewhere. I mean, I'm on Facebook. We don't put anything there. Um, yeah. And same. I burned down Twitter cause you know, self-care. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like to read Twitter. I never tweet anything. I have too good of a time following all these rando randos, but yeah, I'm too, I'm too much of a weenie to tweet. <laughs> uh, um, Elizabeth, thank you so much. I hope that you will come back on the podcast to talk about something different, but you've really given us, I think a great sense of what you do at home as a stay at home mom and some practical hints and tips for other moms considering it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Cynthia. Bye-bye.